We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 362. Our guest today is a woman after my own heart. She has combined two of her passions and created her own business that she truly loves and has even more flexibility to do what she loves. She is an international dressage rider and an interior designer based in Wellington, Florida, which has provided her so many equestrian clients, which I just think is so cool. I mean, how many of us scour Pinterest trying to look for different designs or interiors or organization and can find something and we're like, wow, this is stunning. But then taking the next step of actually implementing is can be just so challenging. Well, that is where our guest comes in today. And she has so much knowledge, so much organization that she even offers organizational services, which I think could be, you know, just as important to as interior design. I don't know about you, but especially as we are entering Wellington season, where a lot of us head down to South Florida for the entire winter circuit, it can be a little daunting. I mean, a lot of us are packing up, you know, trailer loads of supplies down to South Florida at a barn maybe we're renting or if we have circuit stalls and trying to find unique but still beautiful ways to organize all of our supplies can be really daunting and if not done correctly, um, just does not stay neat. <laughs> so with all of that being said, I am so excited to chat a little bit more with our guest and hear all about how she got to where she is today and how she really starts implementing these services of interior design and organization for both equestrian clients and non-equestrian clients. But in the world of Wellington, chances are you're related to some sort of horse sport in one way or the other. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, owner of Leah Tenney Interiors, Leah Tenney. Hi, Leah. Hi, Bethany. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited too. I love what you do and have always been a really big fan. I am um, recently uh, with my with my husband's job flipping houses and rental properties we're always kind of like right in the middle of a, a half completed house and so coming up soon in the next few months we are like finally moving into a house that we're going to be staying in for longer than 2 years so my wheels start turning and I'm like oh my gosh all of these things are right up Leah's alley with interior design and organization. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to you about it more. But for, before I get ahead of myself, I would love to hear how you first got started in the horse world. Yeah. So when I was five years old, um, I went to spend some time with my grandparents in Vermont and my grandmother decided to sign me up for pony camp. <laughs> um, and Ever since that experience, I have not stopped. When I came home, I was begging my parents to be able to take lessons. And they were just, probably like, what the heck did you guys do? <laughs> yep, exactly. I like to thank my grandmother for all of this. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, I begged them for riding lessons and started shortly after. And then 
around the age of seven, um, they got me my first pony, a little black Welsh pony named Wizard. Um, and I was just totally hooked. Tell me a little bit, because I know my, my sister, li- after college, she lived in Maine for a little bit, not necessarily known for being big in the equestrian scene. So what was it like growing up riding in Maine? Um, so I grew up um, in a town right outside of Portland. Okay. Um, and there were there were a handful of small, you know, family owned barns. And in a way, it was really lovely to be able to grow up in that um, smaller environment with, you know, small farms to, you know, spend all day at just embracing every aspect of the sport. I did many day camps, eventually becoming a camp counselor and teaching lessons to kids, even when I was only, you know, 12 years old. Uh Uh, And once I got into the competition scene, I really had to start traveling a lot more to attend horse shows. Um, So just as I got older, I had to work hard to seek out other opportunities to expand my riding education, eventually leading me to Wellington. Mm -hmm. You uh, eventually made a switch from hunter jumper to dressage as a teen. What prompted you to make that switch? So I had a I had a horse named Wilma um, who was both in the hunter jumper world and the dressage world. And she really introduced me to the world of dressage. And um, she was she was a very versatile partner. And together we ventured into two phase shows. um, And it was during those competitions that I really connected with the dressage piece. There was something about the precision and the artistry of dressage Mm -hmm. that really drew me in. Um, I've always been a very, very fierce competitor. And I was intrigued by the scoring system and how each movement was evaluated and scored separately, driving me to constantly improve every aspect of my performance. Yeah. So the attention to detail between the horse and rider in dressage really became my passion. And it just went up from there. Yeah. How often are you competing now? Now, um, or this summer has been pretty calm in the competition scene. Um, For the last couple of years, I've been pretty active year round competing with the peak of my competition season being the three months um, in Wellington at the Global Dressage Festival. Cool. Um, You eventually went to, um, to college where you studied interior design and architecture. Were you riding while you were in college? What was, what was your plan kind of going into school? Had you like had in the back of your mind, you're going to, you know, get back to riding after school. What was that kind of thought process like for you at that time? Yeah. So those were quite a crazy four years. Um, I moved around a lot, but my base was Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts. I knew I didn't want to go to school for riding. Um, I did explore that option, but I kind of landed on wanting to go to school for business. And Endicott was within driving distance of my home. Um, It was near Boston, which I really enjoyed all the activities that that had to offer. And the school just seemed like a really great fit for me. So they did have a an equestrian team that I participated on my freshman year. Um, it was a hunter jumper team, which consisted of lessons two or three times a week, workout sessions. It allowed me to meet other people, meet other riders, 
um, and just really start to be a part of a community during my freshman year in college. During the same time, I continued to ride my dressage horse at the time, Adel K., um, under the guidance of my trainer, Tanya Rennie, who is based in Gorham, Maine. So my school week consisted of, you know, early morning workouts, classes, lessons with the equestrian team, and then in addition, um, driving up to Maine to ride my horse and wow. train. So it was a two-hour drive there, two-hour drive back, <laughs> and listened to a lot of podcasts, yeah. um, thought about a lot of projects that I was working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that was a challenging year for sure, because I, I I was constantly on the go. I also was trying to balance having a somewhat normal social life. Um, right. But I was really committed on the path that I was on with that horse at the time, which was doing um, NAYC, the North American Youth Championships. Yeah. Um, so at the end of my freshman year, I decided that I needed to devote all of my time to my personal horse. And so I stopped riding for the team, you know, just continued coming down to Florida in the winter while I was in school um, and just found a way to ride and do school at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. You just kind of, at, at, at that point, it's, it's so funny because it's obviously you like listen to your schedule and it's like, oh my gosh, it is so crazy. But I mean, it seemed like a lot of those, you know, parts of your day you really loved. And so you just kind of yeah. work on figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I was determined to go to school, to finish school, and I was mm-hmm. determined to ride throughout all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my junior year, my you know, riding journey took an exciting turn when, um, I, my family and I purchased my current horse Tibby. Um, and we then went North at the end of the season with Liz Austin of Liz Austin dressage boarding at the, at gathering farm in South Hamilton, Massachusetts, which was 10 minutes from my school. So that was very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. I was there, you know, every single day, sometimes twice a day. Um, Absolutely. And was able to spend even more time with my personal horse than I was before. So that was, that was really exciting. Wow. Well, after graduation, what, what were your career plans? So jumping back for a second, I know I said that I actually decided to go to school for business about five weeks into school. I just, I knew that something didn't feel right what I was learning was interesting, but I was also learning about what I was going to be learning about in the future, the next three Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And that didn't, that didn't excite me. And I had, I had made a best friend very quickly at school and she was in the interior design program, which I actually didn't even know existed when I Mm -hmm. went to And I found myself wanting to help her with her homework and helping her research, you know, her internships for her freshman year. And (laughs) I was like, you know, this light bulb kind of went off in my head and I said to myself, well, why don't I just do this? It seems like it's, it was meant to be. Um, I was just totally enthralled with what I was learning every day in class Mm -hmm. and didn't even feel like school anymore. So I made the switch very quickly, five weeks in and was able to catch up on that on those five weeks of work and join my class in where they were in the curriculum. So I spent the four years studying interior design and architecture. And I wasn't, you know, when graduation was in the future and I was 
thinking to myself, what am I going to do next? I wasn't quite sure, to be completely honest. <laughs> I had, you know, I think horse people really believe and understand that timing is everything. And I was fortunate enough at the time to have an absolutely incredible horse, an incredible trainer, an incredible support group around me that was allowing me to achieve things in my equestrian um, pursuits that I had always dreamed of. Mm-hmm. So I knew when I graduated that I I basically could not settle down in Boston or another city nearby and accept a job with a firm because that would limit me on when I could be at the barn, what competitions I could go to, right. travel schedule, and so forth. So with a lot of thought and a little bit of fear, I <laughs> launched my own business. Um oh. One thing that really kind of gave me more confidence in that jump was the internship experiences that I had throughout the four years. So I was able to, you know, be a part of a small firm, of a large firm, and see all of the the day-to-day operations behind um, behind an interior design firm. So mm-hmm. that that did give me a little bit more um you know, courage to pursue this. Yeah. That's so cool. When you were, when you were doing your internships, um, did, was there like a particular one where you're like, this is a lot of what I want to do. Were there some where you're like, this was a great experience, but I definitely would don't want to be in this type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my senior year internship was with a smaller firm in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And it was two women who had actually gone to Endicott, had been through the interior design program and after graduation started their own business. Wow. Now I believe they're, I want to guess maybe eight years into business and they have two more employees and they are busier than ever. Hmm. And they, they were the ones that I would credit to you know, me being able to say, okay, this is possible. This is, Mm -hmm. this isn't something completely out of the ordinary, Um, you know, maybe a little bit harder with me just being one person, but yeah, they were the ones that really, you know, made me believe that I could, I could truly do this on my own. Right. When you were just starting out, did you start right off the bat with the equestrian emphasis or what did that look like as you launched Leotani Interiors? Yeah, so I did not necessarily start off with the equestrian. Um, What I felt like my education fundamentals were in was residential, especially with the experience that I had for my internships because they were residential firms. So um, the first project that I got started off just being a living room and turned into basically that entire house over time. Mm. (laughs) And... Throughout that first project, I did a lot of, you know, behind the scenes business work on my own, really forming the brand and the company that I wanted to, you know, foresee for the future. Um, So when I was thinking about what I wanted Leah Tenney Interiors to be, I was able to piece together kind of um, needs that I saw in the equestrian community, which I was experiencing every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, 
anybody that knows me knows that I am highly, sometimes a little bit obnoxiously organized <laughs> for myself. And a lot of times it trickles into the people around me and, you know, the barns and groups that I ride with. But I just, I saw a need and I immediately saw a way that I could combine my two passions. I had a feeling that I was going to end up living in Wellington for a little while when I graduated. And it just seemed like it made sense to combine the two passions. And as I've done that, I've seen so many parallels between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the foundations of design that I have learned carries over into the equestrian world. Yeah, it's just a little bit, you're just using different materials and you're using it's different spaces, but the design principles for all of these projects are really the same at the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. it took a lot of brainstorming and a lot of thinking about how I could kind of insert myself um, with my design work in the equestrian community um, to figure this out. But so far it's been working. So I'm rolling with it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. How many clients of yours would you say are equestrians? I mean, would it, is it like an overwhelming majority? Do you still take on non-equestrian clients? What does that look like? Yeah, I would say it's about 50-50. I would say that a lot of my residential clients stem from the equestrian world. So, you know, I have a current project right now that's a kitchen renovation, but I I know that client through the equestrian world. So there's a lot of overlapping, um, but yeah, I would say I would say about 50-50. Do you ever find yourself looking on Pinterest and just scrolling through all of the beautiful barns and tack rooms and like the perfect color coordinated organization? I definitely do that. My problem is I just don't have enough hours in the day. I mean, I can barely keep my house clean with how much time I'm spending at the barn or traveling to horse shows to keep my barn, you know, aesthetically pleasing and beautiful. What I would really love to do, I'd I'd basically love to bring my Pinterest board to life. As many of us are heading down to Wellington to get ready for the winter season in the next couple months, I wanted to tell you about Leah Tenney Interiors. This is a residential and equestrian interior design and organization studio run by Leah Tenney and based in Wellington, Florida. She brings a unique blend of equestrian expertise and interior design flair to the table. She is really on a mission to bring excitement and order to your next home or your barn project. So give your barn or home a leg up that it needs, making your space work for you, your horses, and your lifestyle. So, ready to take the next step? Head to leahtenneyinteriors.com and mention the Equestrian Podcast and enjoy an exclusive 20% discount on all interior design and organization services. That's L-E-A-H-T-E-N-N-E-Y interiors.com for 20% off services if you head to leahtenneyinteriors.com and tell her the Equestrian Podcast sent you. Tell me a little bit about the, because I know besides for interior design, you also offer other services like organization, which is so exciting. And I think such a big part and such a big need in the equestrian world specifically, Um, just because, I mean, we have these like 
stunning barns. And especially with your, I I love that you also have like an architectural background Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that you can like appreciate all of the beautiful property that's, you know, in your neighborhood and the, the incredible barns. So we have all of that. And then you like open a door to the tack room and it's like an absolute disaster. Um, It's just like, I I have found that in my experience of um, the barns that we have rented during the Wellington season, they tend to get like that, especially when you do have people coming in for the season and they are, you know, coming maybe from up North with trailer loads of equipment and supplies and, you know, just trying to find places to store them. And, um, you know, over time, maybe those systems aren't working. So tell me a little bit about the organizational service that you provide? Yeah. So um, a lot of my organization clients start by being design clients. So a lot of times it's a, they approach me for design services and throughout the first couple phases, we discover that a lot of the issues that we're trying to solve, especially in equestrian spaces are organization issues. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people or some people I would say, don't necessarily think of organization being a beautiful thing. I certainly do. <laughs> um, I think that oh, yeah, same. in these gorgeous high-end barns that I'm surrounded by here in Wellington, there is absolutely a way to make every single little detail organized, beautiful, functional, and save a lot of time and energy for yourself and your staff. Walk me through, let's say you're, whether it's, you know, someone's kitchen pantry or their tack room at their barn, walk me through a, like, kind of like your process for, for, for doing an organizational service. Yeah. So what I always start with is talking to my client about how for, for a barn specifically, how they work in their everyday life. Um, A lot of let's say it's a a trainer, you know, they are most likely in their barn six, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what is it? What's the first thing you do when you get to the barn? What's the first thing that your staff does when they get to the barn? And what is that journey throughout the day that they go on in the space that we're trying to make more functional? So really putting myself in my client's shoes and understanding what works best for them. Because what works best for me is not going to be the same for them. It's going to be different for everybody. Everybody has different preferences. And sometimes I've run into, um, you know, a little bit of a roadblock where a something that I decide to do with a client isn't necessarily what I would prefer in my barn. But mm-hmm. that's my job is to understand exactly how my client works and their preferences and not mine, which can be challenging because definitely say I have strong opinions about organization, but it's not going to be sustainable. um, And it's not going to be a well-run system if it doesn't work for the client. So that's the first step. The second step is understanding their budget understanding, you know, within that is this a project where we're going to be moving things around and using what we already have um, accessible to us? Or is this a clean slate where, you know, this is, we're going to be buying a lot of product and kind of starting from scratch. Mm, So that's step two. Step three is mostly on my end, which is taking all this information that I have gathered and 
figuring out how to implement it. I then present this to my client, um, try to fully explain to them, you know, the process that um, we're going to be setting up for them. And, you know, if we're going to be also incorporating little design touches here and there, um, say we're organi- organizing a tack room, are we also going to be replacing some furniture, furniture or adding, you know, certain aesthetically pleasing pieces to the space? Um, yeah. And then it's implementation time, which is the best part um, <laughs> when it all comes together. So I gather everything I need and it's typically, you know, a, a multi, it's a multi-day process, I'd say, um, depending on the size and the scale of the project. But that is when the magic happens, I like to say, and it, that's that. Where is your go-to place to buy organizational containers? The one and only container store. Uh. It is absolutely (laughs) my most favorite store on the planet. Um, But what I would suggest to other people as the container store can be quite pricey for some Mm -hmm. people is first find what you like online. So, you know, look at Pinterest, look at other barns, what they're doing and identify the products and the pieces that you like. And then go from there and outsource. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I order a lot from Amazon. Yeah. Um, the price point is great. The products are great, depending on, you know, there's a lot of choice on quality. But right. even yeah. if you, if this is something that you want to take on on your own, on your own time, you know, go to the container store. They have so many um, organization solutions that you could never even dream of. And, you know, take that inspiration and go home and, do your own research and you'll, you'll be surprised what you can find online. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I know you were talking about budget, which I think is such a big part of what you provide and maybe something that if people don't really know about what you offer and how you offer it could be a little bit um, intimidated by what they maybe think in their head as, as far as what budget they should have. Um, Do you have like a specific, um, starting point that um, that client should start with, or how does that work as far as maybe someone looking into your services but isn't quite sure that they have the budget that would align with your business? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely the most intimidating piece of this process for a lot of people is they they see the final you know products that I produce or that yeah. other organizers produce, and they're even if it's subconsciously, I would guarantee that their first thought is I can't afford that right Right, now, Right, which I like to argue against. Mm. (laughs) Um, I think that, you know, being creative, finding, you know, out of the box solutions to solve your, you know, your challenges in your space is really what it comes down to. I have clients that have an unlimited budget and I do shop for them at the container store. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a, I would say it's definitely a little bit easier, but in a way the, you know, the set budgets where, where a client says, this is all I have is even more exciting to me because it's more of a challenge. Um, and I almost like to prove people wrong in a way and show them that, you don't need an endless budget to be able to create these spaces. It might take a teeny bit more time and definitely more creativity, 
but it's it's a lot of fun for me at least um to be able to kind of share with people all of the endless options on organization and different ways people can do things um and definitely say to not let budget um restrict you from mm-hmm. creating a space that you and the people around you are really comfortable and happy in totally how would you describe your personal interior style And is it the same as Leah Tenney interiors? So one thing that I kind of like to pride myself on with my business is that everybody is going to have a different style and it certainly is not always going to match up with my personal preferences. Um, As a designer, I like to say that it's my job to, you know, learn as much as I can about you to be able to get inside your head and embrace your style. I would say that my personal style is a little bit all over the place. Um, If you were to come to my house, you'll see that each room has a little bit of a different aesthetic to it, mostly because I'm constantly creating and changing things and experimenting. But I would say that one of the best parts of my job is that I get to mix up the styles and try different things and not stick to one style specifically. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? I think I would say the as far as design goes is the design process. I think that the design process is something that many people don't fully understand. And it's easy to think or be told by a website that by purchasing one item, you know, it will be the missing piece for a room. And I just would emphasize that it takes a lot more than that. It takes a lot of time, a lot of expertise to produce a design that works well together and is cohesive. Yeah. I think that that's a really, that's a really great piece of advice for, for someone who is looking to maybe finish a room, whether that's a, a design or organizational what would you recommend that they do? Um, let's say if they're looking to be to to hire someone on like yourself, um, do you have them do some work kind of like ahead of time as far as what they want and, and what kind of style? Let's say you have someone who is like, I don't really know what my style is or like what I want for this space. Um, how do you kind of navigate that with uh, a newer potential client? Yeah, so throughout the beginning of my um process with a new client, um, I have quite a big packet that I have them fill out. And it it's can be a little overwhelming in the beginning, but it shows um, examples of a lot of different design styles. And I found that with design, many people are visual learners. Um, mm-hmm. So saying to them, do you prefer style A or style B? And just verbally explaining it to them is not helpful. So I try to provide them a packet with um, a lot of different options and images, and that's where the inspiration starts. And you, I, I have found that, you know, people will see one image out of 50 and they're like, this is exactly what I love, mm. exactly what I want. And they might not have been able to pick that out of Pinterest on their own, right. but by providing them specific images and you know, descriptions, I'm able to get a sense of what their design style is like. 
That's so cool. Yeah. And I bet you often will have people who think they have a specific interior style that they want to go for. And then maybe after the the process of filling out the packet or it, it might be something totally different. Absolutely. And they definitely also, it, it can be very helpful in the way that they discover things that they absolutely do not like. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little bit of a process of elimination um, to get down to what their preferences are. Definitely. Well, Leah, thank you so much for sharing your story and really kind of demystifying the idea of what it's like to work with an interior designer and an organizer. I don't know about anyone listening, but that those are two services that I am excited to use and I'm definitely anticipating needing in the near future. But I just love how you've been able to combine, you know, two big passions of yours and put them together. I am also a big fan of that and just really loving what you do. So I give you so much credit and so exciting to see what you're putting together with Leah Tenney Interior. So thank you so much again for taking the time and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Bethany. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.